0: To our dear Wellness Couch listeners, we are sending you all our love during these unprecedented times.
1: Now is the time to appreciate what community really is all about. And on the back of our wellness base camps in Geelong and Camden being postponed, we've decided to run a virtual experience that anyone can attend. It's called Crisis to Confidence.
0: Right now, the world faces five major challenges. The first one, fear and anxiety. So Kim Morrison will present on uncertainty and love.
1: The second one is Social Isolation, so Marcus Pierce is going to talk about how to build community during these difficult times.
0: The third is Mental and Emotional Despair, so Brett Hill will talk about how to develop resilience.
1: The fourth is Financial Uncertainty, so Jason Witten will talk about creating financial security.
0: And the fifth is a Challenged Immunity, so Cindy O'Meara will share how to boost our immunity during these times.
1: Crisis to Confidence will be broadcast live on Saturday, April 4. And if you can't make it, you'll receive lifetime access. To
0: register and for all the details, go to thewellnessbasecamp.com.
1: That's thewellnessbasecamp.com. Thank you, Wellness Tribe. We love you and send our virtual hugs and kisses.
2: Thewellnesscouch.com,
1: streaming wellness into your life.
2: Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work, and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life.
3: This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Uh, So it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I tricked Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can, trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families, an express box if you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box, and that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, so we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hello there, gorgeous sisters. Thank you for joining us on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea, and welcome back to Wellness Women Radio. Uh, I know that you've all missed us terribly. Um, we've definitely missed you. And, Ash, I've missed missed—I've missed our little, like, weekly catch-ups by Skype when I can close the doors and, like, just, you know, have one-on-one time with you. Uh, ladies, we've had heaps of stuff going on. I was in um, Japan um, for a few weeks. This was a while ago now, which is going to be relevant for what we talk about tonight. <laughs> um, Ash has had heaps of stuff going on as well, so... We apologize for going AWOL a little bit, but we are back and I am super excited um, to just be back behind the mic, I guess.
2: Oh, look, yeah. I think in three years, that's the longest we've been apart. You know, like, uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, from your lovely listeners, I don't think we've, we've left you alone this long. So hopefully you've all been well. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk tonight about how to stay even more well, given the, the crazy, uh, crazy situations going on in the world right now. So I think you'd be living under a rock somewhere if you haven't heard that uh, there is currently, you know, a World Health Organization classification of a pandemic of mm-hmm. coronavirus. So tonight we're going to talk all about coronavirus. Uh, Coronavirus, COVID, COVID-9, is it? nineteen twelve? Where are we at? Yeah. <laughs> 19. Um, and that's, you know, something that I think is just so um, interesting because both Andrew and myself have been overwhelmed in, uh, in a practice setting in terms of just like literally we were saying like every single person. I don't think there's anything in our practice lifetimes that has occupied uh, individuals as much as this. Like, there's catastrophic world events, and I still don't hear that from every single person. And then we get this, and I'm hearing it from every single person. So, yeah, it's quite a fascinating, um, situation to be in. And I hope that I'm not stoking the fuel of, uh, you know, conversation on that one, because of course, my first thing is always like, you realize the best defense in all of this is a strong immune system, you know? (laughs) Um, But we'll talk about all those strategies tonight. We're going to talk carefully about, you know, what coronavirus is, what it means to you, um, what it means to your family, some of the strategies Mm -hmm. and tips that we recommend uh, you take it's obviously you know the most up-to-date evidence science and research that's being shown um, clearly we, we're really lacking on a bit of the research because there's no you know long term <laughs> studies at this mm-hmm. point in time but basically up-to-date as of this minute um, today we will give you everything we know about it and um, mm-hmm. yeah what we're doing you know as practitioners what we're advising our clients do as well um, and of course you know some of the get real stuff and some of the really cool tips and tricks of what you could be doing to safeguard your family family from what you know can be quite a dangerous situation depending on you know age and risk factors and all those things so we're going to talk about that um, today tonight you know this morning wherever yeah. you are in the world so for us it's night time here in Perth um, but yeah it's quite um, it's quite interesting I'm sure andrea you feel the same way as me that um, we've had like in Australia obviously you know again living under a rock if you didn't know about a horrific and horrendous bushfires and when they, within the course of, you know, like six weeks, we have done this massive U-turn from being, you know, cohesive, collective consciousness of fundraising and being generous and giving and spirit-filled and community-driven and, you know, really all about the nature, all about the people, like really about rebuilding and restoring all these, you know, great, strong sentiments. And then, like, we were away camping and we came back and it was just like, oh my goodness, what has happened? And every single person was like posting about sh- like toilet paper crisis, toilet paper shortage, and I'm just like, what is going on? Um, what do you do with toilet paper against a virus? Like, and then you start seeing... And then you <laughs> that just- is what I
3: wanted. If someone <laughs> could answer that for me, oh my gosh, that is going to be the biggest mystery of the corona pandemic of 2020 is why is everyone stopping up on toilet paper? Uh, uh, but... Yeah, actually, it, you're exactly right. Like how um, just heartwarming and moving was how the world rallied behind Australia during our essentially our worst environmental crisis that the world has ever seen with the horrific bushfires. And we had such deep empathy and support for everyone who was experiencing that firsthand and just for the whole country. Um, you know, I think that you'd be uh, it'd be hard not to be moved by how much we came together then. And now it's a complete flip side. Like I keep joking that this coronavirus is really bringing out the best in people if you're fighting over toilet paper and you're emptying the shelves and you're, um, you know, refusing to be around people and you're putting yourself into social isolation and everything else and it really is every man for themselves. Like we we definitely wanted to put some things into perspective for this podcast because all of the information that a lot of people are getting at the moment is from the media, who are ma- who are doing a really good job of. Certainly, um, some media outlets are doing a good job of posting the facts, whereas a lot of the others are just, you know, really catastrophizing um, this and really focusing on the deaths and you know the severe cases and those sorts of things. But we've got to have a little bit of perspective as to you know how that fits into the grand scheme of things and. You know, also, again, what you can be doing to protect yourself. But I just can't believe how quickly things have changed from being, you know, as you said, Ash, like together we're looking after each other. We've got everybody's back to like complete opposite. Um, So, yeah, let's hope that after this we'll have a little bit more of that and it will be bringing out the best in us, that's for sure. Every single person (laughs) is talking about it. And um, I'm glad that we've held off until now to do the podcast because if we did it, say, two weeks ago, um, we probably would have really just brushed everything off, I think. Like, we probably would have just gone, oh, my God, everybody is just losing the plot. Um, I came back from Japan uh, two and a half weeks ago and there was not a mention of it. Um, There was no, uh, like, health set up in the airport. There was nothing. We were, you know, like perfectly safe and yes some people were wearing masks but that was literally it and now the climate has changed so quickly in just two and a half weeks i know everyone's cancelling travel plans i think today trump has banned all european travel um, oh, he's finally got his way. He's closed the borders. We always wanted to oh, close the borders, what, so <laughs> one way or another, it was going to
2: happen, right? He's like a prophecy. Um, like he, he manages to you know <laughs> make it just happen. Well,
3: um, yes. uh, but that's going to become a conspiracy. I reckon I there's going to be so many conspiracies that come out of this. I reckon that's oh. going to be one of them that it was all uh, you know puppet masters' uh, yeah, plans so to so that close he just the borders.
2: <laughs> um, we joke about but, it, but you know, like in all seriousness, though the um, the media is. Uh, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna hang it out there right now and just say I am going to wholeheartedly blame the media and their scare campaign and their you know dramatizing everything and they are catastrophizing everything for I'm going to I'm going to pin it on them and say they're going to be responsible for more infections and more deaths now let me back that up and I'll and if you listen to nothing else tonight I want you to have this take home is that all of these alarmist responses and these front page media and every news headline every tv show every radio show they are responsible for driving up collective stress and anxiety full stop yeah right now what is the number one thing that damages and diminishes our body's ability to do its best work stress so I just, I'm going to just say it right now. I reckon the are responsible for worsening this situation in not just a mental, emotional way, but in a physiological way as well, because they are actually causing, you know, the mind body um, pathway to, to break down. And, um, yep. you know, I'm a big believer in what the mind can, you know, see and achieve that you will create. So, um, you know, if we're, we're focused and, and hyper-focused on coronavirus, getting sick, people sick, people coughing, people, guess what? We're going to create more of that stuff.
3: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we know that there's a direct physiological, you know, hormonal response to that constant elevated cortisol and everything Mm -hmm. else that happens from that uh, and the dampening effect that that has on your immune system. So your protective mechanisms are going to be lower when that is the case. Oh, Ash, you were spot on and I'm (laughs) like, you're calling out the media for their, uh, like, I think it's important to be well informed. I'm I'm always um, encouraging that, but maybe just choose where you're consuming that information from, um, because just focusing on, you know, the effect on the stock market and, you know, uh, the threat of schools closing and all international travel bans. And I've even seen reports that people are euthanizing their animals because of this. Wow. And I just, that breaks my heart that people are so terrified that that is the case, that they're actually... Euthanizing the animals. I just, oh, that is absolutely unbelievable to me. So,
2: Yeah, that's just hard to get your head around. But, look, think about it from this perspective. When you're put under that, you know, acute stress response, which then becomes chronic stress response because the longer this goes on and the more hype and the more drama there is about this, the more chronic that response becomes, Mm -hmm. we are flipping our switch into fight-or-flight mode, right? So when you watch those ladies brawling in the supermarket over a trolley full of toilet paper, right, I mean, right there, that's like frontal cortex inhibition, right? They're just incapable of making a rational and reasonable um, discussion Or interaction because all of them are just flipped into fight or flight mode. So they are literally fighting over toilet rolls, which to us observers is completely irrational but in their own physiology is completely rational because they yeah. are so consumed by the threat of this situation that they are willing to punch each other. <laughs> like, you know, so oh, um I kind of goodness. looked at that and just thought, oh my goodness, there is like sympathetic dominance overload right there. That's, that's like, you know, that's not just people, people are looking going, oh, those people are just crazy. I wouldn't do that. But, you know, push that far and with your the button flicked so far into that sympathetic mode, um, you've got to remember you are a lioness lady listening. You know, you girls, you've got so much capacity, which can be used for good or evil. Um, (laughs) So, you know, put in the situation, who knows, any one of us could arc up and uh, and have a moment with uh, someone if we were in that state of physiological stress, just ready for tiger pouncing. Yeah, is this what the apocalypse looks like? Oh, I (laughs) don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, Italy doesn't have the problem, right? Everyone's going. Oh, why? Why doesn't Italy have a toilet paper issue? You've got b days over there. I've traveled enough to know they have bum washes and they don't use so much toilet paper.
3: (laughs) Mm, Yep. And also, are people forgetting that we are, we do actually live in a first world country and most people who tune into this podcast are from the, you know, first world country. So we do have running water. So, you know, worst case scenario, we've still got running water. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. All right. So let's, uh, let's go into some facts about coronavirus, and these are accurate as of the time of this recording. So, obviously, with something like this, things can change quite quickly, but these are up-to-date, research-based um, and, you know, absolutely, I guess, evidence-based from the time of this recording. Um mm-hmm. Obviously, I think everybody is fully aware of where coronavirus, you know, stems from, um, how long it's been around for and those sorts of things. Um, Ash, what do you think is important for our audience to know about this um, in particular? I think it's important to remember it is a virus. It's not a bacterial infection like the cold. So this is not treatable by antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Um, So stockpiling antibiotics, again, is not going to be beneficial for... Um, prevention of coronavirus. I think that that's important. Um, the transmission of it, so how it spreads from person to person, is a little bit more than um, the normal spread of influenza. Um, so, for example, if the flu spreads from, you know, um, there might be like 1.3% like uh, spread from the flu. It's a little bit worse than that. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's spreading like smallpox or Ebola or, you know, anything like that. And most people, so 80% of cases, uh, the symptoms that they experience are mild symptoms of flu-like symptoms. So 80% of cases that have tested positive have experienced mild flu-like symptoms um, and then obviously they've cleared it. So they might have a fever, a cough, um, maybe a little bit of shortness of breath, um, some headaches, headaches, muscular pain and stiffness, um, maybe just some generalized malaise and fatigue. Uh and that and that's really about it. Um so just basic flu-like symptoms, 80% of cases mild.
2: I think what's interesting is that, you know, we've got some data challenges here because the Northern Hemisphere, obviously coming out of winter, they've had one of the worst flu seasons um, in the last years. So Mm -hmm. that's a complicating factor. There's a lot of people who've been exposed, a lot of people who've been sick. So, you know, there may be um, a vast number of people somewhat immune compromised.
3: Um, yeah, and then you've and got, even just the climate. So, yeah. um, you know, coming from the winter, we've got less sunlight. Um, people have lower vitamin D levels, um, and also it tends the virus itself tends to transmit quicker or survive longer in colder climates. Which is, you know, also why I think that we have almost a little bit of a protective mechanism in Australia because of our climate at the moment.
2: At the moment, I think that's the key there, isn't it? Because the Southern Hemisphere we're starting to come into our, our cooler months. So, you know, what we've seen in the north may well, become uh, the case down here as well, but the big challenge is just understanding that um, you know with that transmission, you know, in Australia, this they're citing things like you need to be a distance of one meter apart between people. Like this is this is not something that's going to be practical. If I look at how packed commuter trains are on the you know on the way to work in the morning, it is unrealistic to think you're going to be able to get one meter person person throughout a whole train mm-hmm. to get enough people on board to get them to you know to where they need to go. So unless Australia introduces some radical, uh, measures of much like almost like the martial law imposed in northern Italy, um, we we sort of, I guess, advocates for really sensible and pragmatic approaches to preventing disease transmission. And the way mm-hmm. I'm sort of lightening this to, to our patients is that I'm sort of saying, like, imagine it's like gastro. You know, you've, you've heard about a gastro outbreak at the school. You don't really want gastro. You know, you don't really want this. So, let's look at all the strategies you would take in those situations and then just keep that behaviour up for a prolonged period of time to minimise your risk of of transmission and obviously cross-infection. So
3: um, I think that that's a really good way to look at it um, because that just promotes, you know, good hygiene principles, which, yep. you know, I think it's not a bad idea to be you know, investing in any way in terms of just, you know, being conscious of washing your hands, cleaning surfaces, um, you know, not coughing in people's faces, <laughs> uh, those sorts of things. I think if you're feeling unwell, just avoiding um, obviously visiting immune compromised people or the elderly, which are much more susceptible than the other groups of people at the moment um, or, you know, babies and those sorts of things like just yeah. common sense, good practical hygiene practices.
2: Yeah, it's what's an interesting quirk about this that's um, been documented so far is actually, you know, the standard influenza is something that affects largely young and old. So generally speaking, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, young people under the age of five and older people over the age of 70. Now, this still fits the model of the elderly. So this is still something that seems to be having a large impact on people over 70 and those people who are immune compromised. But for some reason yet to be identified and yet to be studied is that younger people are actually not having such high incidence of infection rates, which mm-hmm. is, um, yeah, which is, I guess, a blessing at this point in time if it continues on this trajectory. That's a really fortunate thing. So, for those of you that are, you know, really, really concerned about your kids and young children, um, whilst, yes, that is concerning, influenza is far more serious for that age group than it appears coronavirus to be. So, standard measures same same you know what you're going to do to try and prevent transmission of influenza should be exactly the same approach you're taking for coronavirus Um, but just with the knowledge that influenza is actually more harmful potentially to a younger person than the coronavirus is so if that's you know Mm -hmm. if you're a parent and this is really stressing you out and you're really worried for your child just remember influenza is at this point in time considered more unsafe for a young person than coronavirus so um yeah. Yeah. there's
3: only there's only two percent of cases that have actually been confirmed in people under 19 years old at the moment mm. um so that's a very small percentage and i think that um the one of the reasons why um the death toll is uh quite high um i think I think Italy and the situation that's happened there is probably skewing things a little bit um, because the death rate is quite high there because of the elderly population. Um, So I think that uh, there were 800 deaths in Italy, I think, because of that. Um, And there was a death rate of 6% which is uh, higher than, certainly much higher than, than what the ab- actual average mortality rate for that is and that seems to be accounted for because of the age of that population. Um, there are certainly some theories going around about why um, kids Uh, seem to be a little bit more protected from this in the younger population. And some of the theories are that because of the exposures that they have every day, they've already been exposed to so many, like essentially viruses, that are almost protective. So they've got a little bit more of a robust immune system in the first place. Um, That's probably the best explanation that I've heard so far. Um, But, you know, who knows? Could be lots of other reasons, but I think that that, that's really good. Um, And just... for you know your interest there's currently 118,000 cases um that have been confirmed again recording of this podcast um in 14 countries there's 100 cases in australia um you know compared to our you know 20 odd million population that's again still very very low so it's only a few cases per state um and i think also australia creates its own almost um Self-isolation, because we are so remote and we are so isolated from everything else, obviously, um, you know, with international flights and, and everything else, that's, that can be why it's coming in a little bit more. But I do think that we're a little bit protected in that sense. What do you think, Ash? Mm-hmm. No, no uh,
2: yeah, No, yes or no. I, I I get what you're saying I think we are fortunate that we have space landmass which does tend to separate our you know population. You mm-hmm. obviously we've got hyperpopulation in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, you know those major capitals, but there is obviously a lot of areas where that um that distance is much further apart. But I I'm I'm a person who's always kind of like challenging the, the thoughts there. And I, I think that at this stage, I'm asking the question, are we testing enough? So full credit to the countries that are out there reporting their statistics because they're the countries that have been vigilant. They've been testing early, testing in large numbers. They're getting the data because they're testing so many people. Um, Australia's been slow. We've been quite slow to set up our testing facilities. We've been quite slow to set up our, you know, our, safety net, so to speak. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I'm just wondering whether we're kind of reporting a little too early and you might, you know, have this conversation two to three weeks from now and we'll have a different story. I'd like to hope that, you know, you're right and I'm wrong, you know, in the sense that, yes, we're, we're protected on an island here. But I don't know, I just haven't seen a lot of good discussions about the the testing facilities, testing standards, availability, Mm -hmm. accessibility, all that sort of stuff. So um, I know that, you know, the countries you're talking about, places like China and Italy, they have been quick, you know, to test and they've been doing it in large numbers. So they've got confirmation of transmission. So I don't know.
3: We'll see. Let's see what happens. Yeah. What we do know, though, is that um, uh, unlike some other um, conditions and illnesses, uh, coronavirus has a strong element of control Mm. So, um, in countries like Korea and in China and Singapore, they're showing that it absolutely can be almost controlled, not necessarily completely contained, but they're controlling that spread of it, which is really good. So, again, these are some very positive things that are coming out of um, you know something that seems to be so dire. If you're watching, um, you know any of those new shows,
2: uh, I, I'm just laughing because I don't think Australians are going to be controlled like the Chinese or the South Koreans. You know, unfortunately, yeah. we we have a bit of a "she'll be right, mate" attitude, and we don't like the government telling us what to do. So I suspect we're going to have some challenges if the the government does impose certain uh, lockdown sanctions, force closures. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm only just laughing because I'm just like, really Australians feel like you know we're convict stock we've got a, <laughs> a bit of an anti-authority hey, and,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we've got a, a slight uh, anti-authority you know attitude at times yeah. so I'll, I'll be curious to see how we handle this um, you know but I, I do really think you know we should give credit and where it's due to those countries that whilst we may not view that as a way of living you know to be fully isolated put in doors shut every shop shut every, every transport shut every sporting event shut every you know theatre ev- like lit- Actually shut everything down, like we'd look at that and say, that's just ridiculous, that's crazy, right? But if it's been effective, then we have to give credit where it's due and said, well it might be crazy, but it's the one thing that has actually stopped that transmission and death rate. So um if you are, you know, sort of thinking, oh I'll well, never happen here or um oh, I wouldn't do that if they told me to, maybe you just need to you know consider the possibility that this may be the only way to uh to avoid a major, you know, epidemic. Well it's pandemic obviously but epidemic here in Australia if we want to help our country do the very best in this situation. Um, We may need to consider being a little bit more disciplined in our attitudes (laughs) about personal hygiene, community hygiene, and obviously then national hygiene when it comes to you know doing what we're politely asked to do. We had a case here in Perth where uh, someone was tested and didn't wait until now. No judgment here. This is just facts. I don't think you know anyone should judge this person for their choices, but you know didn't didn't wait to get tested, went to a major event, and obviously put everyone in that room at risk and created you know a major. you know, situation where it has to be located, tracked down, tested. You know, and all the rest. So, um, I, mm-hmm. I think it's it's a very challenging situation. Um, we've, you know, obviously had a doctor that's been put frontline in the media, which I think, you know, again, unfortunately, quite a wrong thing to do. But mm-hmm. it was done, and um, you know, he was showing such mild symptoms that, to most of us, we think it's not even much more than just the runny nose you get from getting on an airplane and sitting in air conditioning for sixteen hours, like. It's really hard yeah. to, to say that someone should feel like they need to self-isolate when we do have just normal colds and flus going around, which is not coronavirus, you know. So,
3: um, And to put that actual spread into perspective as well as to, like, how it's spreading so quickly or what their transmission is and how that's actually happening. So what they believe that is happening from droplets that are essentially distributed through that human-to-human contact. So, for example, when a sick person coughs or sneezes or something along those lines, um, it's not doesn't believe to be spread through airborne transmission. Um, so that's a good thing to um, – so if you are unwell and you're just, you know, going to remain at home for, you know, 9 to 14 days, that's a good idea. Um, like really quite simple. It doesn't mean that if someone is sick on a plane and you're at the other end of the plane that you will get it.
2: Oh, so, yeah, you mean airborne transmission, but it is still transmitted by droplets. Obviously, yep. if you cough or sneeze, um, coughing, for example, they – suspect tr- transmission distance is two to three meters so surfaces within two to three meters of that person so mm-hmm. which is why they're talking about on planes um two rows so oh. you know either way two rows if someone's been infected they're considering mm-hmm. those people within the two rows to be most at risk because mm-hmm. um, obviously we had a sporting team on a plane and they were at a different end of the plane to someone who's been confirmed with um coronavirus and they've considered that that team low risk given the you know, proximity to the person infected. So that's a great thing. I mean, if it was anything else, if it was something like measles, which um, you tapped into a little earlier, Andy, when you said that 1.3, basically that means for every one person who's infected, 1.3 people will be infected. Um, That's, you know, that's kind of what that number means. Well, I think in the case of measles, for example, um, and some other, you know, more virulent infections, they're at up to levels of 18. So every one person infected, they can transmit to 18. So just, mm-hmm. you know, perspective, like in terms of that, you know, possibility, um, I'd much rather have a coronavirus outbreak than a smallpox outbreak. Yep,
3: exactly. <laughs> so
2: um, just to try and, you know, when I say cool your jets to kind of put perspective on this lady. So, you know, when you're really just trying to think objectively about this and drop the emotion and drop the hype and everything, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you know, just putting that into that plain perspective, yes. It's a problem, but, you know, it's it's also something that's quite manageable and those surface contacts can be managed, you know, with the right hygiene. So there's a lot of ways we can prevent this transmission. However, the big challenge is that humans are known to touch their face frequently, um, and mm-hmm. this is what they're saying is actually one of – doing the, it right the, now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've done it multiple times already just chatting, um, and they're saying now that that's probably the number one risk to, you know, to yourself is the fact that you touch so many things and – subconsciously unconsciously you frequently touch your face um mm-hmm. and i thought it was like oh yeah right but um yeah but you know some of the evidence is suggesting that people will do it up to 20 times a minute like that's quite a lot of times you could be touching your face and not even realizing you're doing it like You could be Mm -hmm. resting your hand on your cheek, you you know, touch your hair, touch your face, touch your eyes, tweak your nose, you know, rub your chin, and all of these things bring anything you come into contact with, such as, you know, corona in proximity to your mucous membranes, which is obviously your oral membrane, your nasal membranes, and this is when um, corona can then infect the body if your immune system is not able to flag it and kill it at that point. So, Mm -hmm. again, you've got to remember defense systems, right? First defense, don't let it get near your your mucous membranes, Second-line defence, the body's already there doing its thing, so hopefully it's strong enough to, you know, to deal with that virus in that initial stage of mucous membranes. Obviously, the highest risk here is for those people who are immune compromised or those mucous membranes are not doing that job, the immune system's not functioning properly, is when that virus then passes down into the lung fields. And mm-hmm. so was in the lungs, that's where it causes the devastating effect. Um, so that's, you know, that's the big the big risk in all of this. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. I just thought that was really, really interesting. I was like, oh my gosh, I was drawn to the attention of like, I can't believe how many times I touched my face. You're totally right. I really do. You know, that much now that I'm thinking about it, how often I do that. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, that's, that's quite a lot of times. So, you know, um, even if it's 20 times an hour, you've still touched your face a lot of times in one hour. Um, so, yeah hand-washing, 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 hand-washing is being uh, touted as probably one of the number one defences we have against coronavirus. Now, that's kind of cool because most of us have it in our control to wash our hands.
3: Yeah, which is super easy. And uh, the hand washing tends to be more uh, effective than wearing the respiratory masks um, and as well as hand sanitizer as well, it's just washing your hands. So Um, let's talk
2: about how you wash your hands right because I think all of us have done this. I know I've definitely done this. I've gone into like a bathroom in the airport and I've touched as little surface as I can. I just mm touch the toilet paper and then I'll use a pinky finger to just flush the button or hopefully it's a sensor and I can just wave at it. And then I come out and, you know, I touch only as much of the tap as I have to. And then I swish my hand
3: under the water and then I flick it and run away. Um, That's <laughs> so funny. I am so not a germaphobe. Like, I, just, um, I I, think, um, and, actually, you know, you've traveled to third world countries yeah, as well. But, yeah. like, being in India and Africa and everywhere else, like, you kind of just go, oh, well, you know what happens happens and like whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger. That's not what I'm saying about coronavirus. But yeah, I'm just definitely not a germ phobe. I don't care what I touch, I, but I just, you know, obviously wash my hands really well. And we've certainly been quite conscious of this in the practice as well. We're just making sure that we're, you know, being very thorough with cleaning the tables and everything else so that there's just no possible risk of anything. Um, you know, yeah, which is easy.
2: So, the right way to wash your hands is not do what right, I did, which I is to which is to touch things with one little finger, flick it under the water, and then run away, okay? So, the right way to wash your hands is, you know, this is what the science says, is 15 to 20 seconds minimum, washing with soap. So, it needs to be soap, and that doesn't matter if it's, you know, pump soap or hard soap or whatever soap, but washing with soap so that what that's doing is... When you use a soap, it breaks the lipid membranes. Um, so the fatty, fatty membranes, which adheres the, the virus to your hands or to your skin. So what you're doing is breaking down that fatty membrane. So the virus is then removed from your hands and, um, They've even suggested things like rough paper can be really helpful to remove then any Mm -hmm. further contact. So, you know, if you do have the opportunity, soap washing hands, and as much as I hate to say it, but, you know, the disposable um, hand wipes such as the paper towel can be really handy in this situation because that's just another line of defence to actually physically roughish, move any virus that may be contacted on your fingers and skin. So important not to touch Mm -hmm. your face but, you know, really wash your hands um, for that 15 to 20 seconds. And when I did that today, I was just thinking about it. like, God, that's a really long time. I don't think I ever wash my hands for 15 to 20 seconds. Like it just seems like a really long time when you're doing it. Cause I think mm-hmm. most of us would do soap on the hands. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like just, you know, quick rubs and then under the water and done. But that's really only five seconds. Cause you need know, like, blah, 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 blah. like it's really not that long at all. So I stood there consciously going, Oh, okay. So I'm trying to teach Oliver, you know, we stand there together and we're rubbing hands front and back and all around and swirling, swirling and doing all these silly things to pass time. Yep. <laughs> so. know whatever it takes if you've got kids and you're thinking 20 seconds rubbing hands you know back to front to front to side to you know like swish them together and sweet you know like make caterpillar grubs and whatever like whatever it takes to keep them uh keep them swishing and swelling their hands and then under the water so that's the i think that's the big takeaway i was today i was learning going hmm not doing it long enough definitely not um so even though it's not just corona i'm worried about i think you know, just being self-aware over the uh, the course of our winter this year. You know, if, if Europe's had the worst influenza season in a long time, Australia's probably very likely to follow suit. You know, there's often quite common patterns, you know, globally from one winter to the next. So, uh, I think we could be certainly worthwhile being vigilant here down under if we can prevent, uh, you know, a
3: super bug winter influenza season. That would be amazing as well. Um, humming uh, Happy Birthday twice is 20 seconds um, and the chorus of Aretha Franklin's Respect, apparently or the verse and the chorus, oh, I can't remember it was something like that, I know, it is 20 seconds, so um, hum your favourite song for 20 seconds while you're doing it uh,
2: I think it's okay. the BG's Staying Alive too because that was always the rhythm yes. we yeah, because it's the rhythm we use for um, CPR so you need to go through that many cycles to get you one minute and the timing and the tempo of CPR, so not that I should Link CPR and you know coronavirus right now, but um, you know, like, oh, I yeah, I, I just made a you know, a terrible uh, link there, but that's another song that's you know, gets you uh
3: enough time so you can get it done. So I won't sing because it's going to hurt your ears, but <laughs> okay, so now we're talking prevention, right? So, yeah. um, first things first. Just really good hygiene practices, washing your hands, just keeping things clean. The next thing um, is, you know, practical targeted lifestyle changes that we know promote a robust immune system. And these are, again, without fail, timeless health principles, getting enough sleep, so seven and a half hours minimum, joining the 10 p.m. club ladies, um, making sure you're in bed by 9.30 to be asleep by 10.00 prioritizing sleep like it's just there's nothing that's going to take the place of that um, exercise we know is really effective for a robust immune system don't push yourself too much especially if you're run down um, there is some evidence although depending on what study you read um, it's kind of conflicting but there is some evidence that shows um, saunas are really protective and help to boost your immune system i'm wondering if it's just through that hormetic effect that it kind of has that slight sort of stress kind of capacity similar to what exercise does that it promotes promotes immune responses. Um, and then uh, looking at my absolute favourite tos when it comes to antivirals. So, you know, naturally occurring things that we can use to protect our immune system. Um, let's go into that because these are things that you can do as prophylactic things. They are absolutely preventative. If you are feeling a little bit run down, you can absolutely be focusing on this to protect you and your family. Um, so first and foremost, vitamin C um i know that that's really not sexy but this is one of the most evidenced based things that is protective for your immune system it absolutely decreases the severity and the length of time that people are sick with either colds and or flus it's promoting white blood cell production it also also helps to support immune um sorry adrenal pathways as well so it's kind of dampening that stress response too. There were some reports that they were showing that they were trialing 24,000 milligrams of vitamin C um, per day in um, coronavirus affected people in China. So they're actually testing them to see how well they did with, you know, that high level of vitamin C. Now that's an extremely high dose. I normally recommend for people about 6,000 milligrams a day, particularly if they're run down. Um, You can very safely go up to 12,000 milligrams a day. Um, The worst thing that happens is you get um, diarrhea if you get to that point of tolerance so vitamin c <laughs> without fail um, the next thing that i love is antiviral mushrooms Um, So in particular, the strains that I look for are cordyceps, coriolis, reishi, and shiitake, and these prevent like antiviral infections. They promote your innate immune responses, increase your natural killer cells, your white blood cell production, um, promotes, you know, like producing antibodies and T cell production, all that sort of thing. This is all very evidence-based as well. Um, So it's excellent antiviral. Uh, Okay, so that's so far. Vitamin C, mushrooms. Um, Ash, what do you reckon? What are your favorite go-to's? Oh,
2: I'm tricky because I'm going to go brands, but I don't really want to use brand names on here because not everyone has access to them. But for me, you know, I can use Armor Force. Like for me, it's just
0: oh, the yeah, go-to. Yeah. You know,
2: things like Astragalas, olive leaf extract, um, yeah. anything that's, you know, immune fortifying like that, um, that's pretty well my my go-to. Um, in our awesome. house, we have Super Mushroom Complex, Armor yep. Force and Vitamin C Zinc. They're the the three that just sit on the shelf. They're a backup plan for everything we do. um sometimes just cycle them you know just one between the other it's just keeping that you know bolstered immune system throughout the winter um they're my my go-to and d3 drops so vitamin d3 drops um you know throughout the season ollie just had a preferred eardrum and you know he's run a bit of a fever and everything so we we do you know, the have high dose vitamin c and we've you know dropped the d3 drops under his tongue and um he seems to be making a pretty you know pretty robust turnaround so i think there's certainly you know ways you can support the body's own innate ability to heal you can't make mm-hmm. it do it better or faster you can just support it and uh and obviously give it the opportunity to do its best work so that's really what this is you know when people say oh will that stop me getting sick i'm like probably not it may who knows um the reality is what it's going to do is help your system do its very best work and that's what this stuff is all about and if it can do its best job and let's just say you know it flags you know bugs you come in contact with you may just get very mild to something you may get no something you might just have a night with a little bit of a fever and it's your body's way of working through the problem so i think totally. um just enhancing your immune system function is the key here um, it's not a cure and it's really not you know preventative so to speak because that would indicate that it can stop something happening um, it's just going to give your body the very best chance to deal with whatever it comes into contact with
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, Ash, you've gone over things like olive leaf extract, endograffis, astragalus. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's a bit of echinacea in there somewhere as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely zinc. Absolutely. These are all very, like, classic immune supportive um, kind of mechanisms, Mm -hmm. um, as well as vitamin D. Um, So just getting adequate sunlight, supplementing with vitamin D as well. It's enhancing your T regulatory cells, um, stimulates, again, white blood cell production too. So I think this is why it can be protected. Um, uh, Ladies, using um, vitamin A in short courses can be very effective for enhancing immune responses as well. Um, Probiotics, the particular strains you want to be looking for is lactobacillus plantarum, LGG and paracaceae. Um, So if you're looking for immune specific protective stuff against, you know, um, colds and flus and viruses, then those are the strains that have been shown to help to, you know, reduce the duration um, and be protective against that sort of thing. So that's a pretty robust list of um, things right there, all of which is readily available from good health food stores and good pharmacies. Um, obviously we like to, or I prefer practitioner prescription, um, sort of quality of these just because we know that the potency is as described and um, you know, obviously you can get very predictable results with them as well, which is excellent. But, again, nothing takes the place of an excellent diet. And you can certainly be using um, lots of traditional methods to be enhancing your food to make it like an immune-boosting little superfood. So adding lots of, like, bitter herbs, using lots of ginger, chili, citrus, colored veggies. um, Garlic yes garlic absolutely garlic. how mm, can i forget I that know. Um, these are all like very traditional ways of keeping your immune system really robust so i would suggest adding these to everything at the moment um and you've got nothing to lose right so uh it's only going to be helped to promote really good immune system good gut health and everything else um so ladies Eat well, get plenty of sleep, move your body, um, sauna if you can, bone broth is excellent too. Um, remember there's vitamin C, your medicinal mushrooms, um, vitamin A, olive leaf extract, vitamin D, specific probiotic zinc, um, endograffis, those sorts of things are all very evidence-based ways to help um, protect yourself.
2: Yeah. And as you heard, none of that involves toilet paper. So (laughs) (laughs)
3: yeah, you heard it here first. So funny. Uh, No,
2: look with great love and respect. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I still think it's crazy. So ladies don't fall for the hype, you know, be practical about it. Um, Remind the people around you that, Hey, it's just, you know, just pretend it's like, you know, gastro, just be really sensible, do the right things. Um, and don't, you know, don't fall for the hype because the more stress you add to your body, the more your immune system is going to be weakened by that stress response. So um, we very, want you to
3: yeah, exactly. It's a very exciting thing for the media to be reporting on at the moment, but just remember there is oh, like the evidence that it's any worse than the flu. Um, it's it's only shown to be as bad as or only slightly higher than the flu. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is what the evidence shows at the moment. So let's good. Just
2: yeah, let's be happy about this. Well, hopefully, look, we if we have to talk about this again, we, we talk about the amazing dramatic decline and, you know, how, how much of a overloaded hype it was, but we'll see what happens. The next, uh, you know, weeks and months will show what, uh, what is in order. We hope that you can be part of uh, keeping your family really well, your community really well as well. Um, mm-hmm. If you've got any questions about this, obviously throw it to us on social media. We aren't the experts in all things, uh, you know, immunology. This is not our forte, but we do know some great people who do this. So, if yeah. we need to, we'll dive in and we'll get them on uh, to have a chat to us. But, you know, for the moment, I think just calm the farm, stay cool, stay yeah. happy. You know, do things that make you feel happy. Um, watch a funny movie. Get into the romantic comedies. You know, just something that takes exactly. your mind away from all this nonsense. Try not to read the news yeah. too much. And uh, we hope you really, you know, you all get through this in you know, a way that uh, is not the end of the earth, as they seem to be professing. So I think uh, I think we got this, girls. I think we've, we're all pretty well informed. You've listened to this episode. You've got a few more tips and tricks. Um, you're going to go out there and wash your hands like a crazy woman, but that's great. <laughs>
3: Yeah, tell us which song you're singing in your head when you're doing that. <laughs> all right, ladies, it's so good to be back behind the mic. We've got some really amazing episodes that are going to be coming your way very soon as well as some really incredible interviews too. Um, as soon as all this coronavirus hype uh, kind of calms down, then we're going to be some planning some live events. So, we will be coming your way. Um, ladies, you have been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrew Haddleston. We are raising the bar for women's health. You can find us on social media. So, Facebook.com forward slash the Wellness Women. We are at the Wellness Women Official on Instagram. Um, you can find Ash at drashleybond.com.au or just.com.com. .com. .com.au. I think I've got both of them. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Either one of those. I'm drandrea.com.au. Uh, you can find Ash on all social media channels as just Dr. Ashley Bond. I am drandrea.xo on Instagram and The Period Whisperer on Facebook. So, ladies, until next week, be well.